robots will take those jobs. Yeah, you're right about that. So that, and I also, I would love to see, I think the gas, uh, the, 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 what you talked about now, the, uh, the full service uh, gas. Gas for that long. You think that's a thing that's going to stay? I don't think after... it's, a, it's the right thing, but it's going to be a thing. It's yeah. not the right thing because mining the lithium is worse is than the gas. Worse. <laughs> or or, or, or bringing down the power grid. Uh, there's that. Uh, lithium fires. Have you ever seen the Tesla on fire? I saw one for the first time. And I was like, yeah, this is much safer than gas. Yeah, 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 yeah of course. That's what I need. An eternal flame. I'm driving around in an eternal flame, which at any moment could be my fucking crematorium. That will that will make an interesting movie. Yeah. Attack of the Battery Set. Uh, speaking of robots, okay. welcome to 24 frames per second with Bad Bad James. We're just having a little chat about when our robot overlords will take over. Um, so here's the thing. I want to talk about something that we haven't spoken about on the show. I wanted to talk about it in the first episode, and then I forgot. Okay. Subsequently, con- continued to forget um, the creator. Oh, Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards, the creator. Uh, Gareth Edwards, known for such films as, I believe, Monsters, it was called. Yeah. That's all I can remember. Right? Uh, God- Gojira? Gojira. Gojira. You can't, you can't say Gojira. It's Godzilla. It's the Gojira. 20, 2014 yeah, yeah. Godzilla. 2014 Godzilla. Not, not, uh, 1998. The Breaking Roland. Bad Godzilla. That's right. Yeah, not with the, Brian Cranston. Not the Roland Emmerich, Matthew Broderick masterpiece. That is that the masterpiece. Do you remember that scene in Godzilla? Where uh, Jimmy, is it Jimmy Page? Da da da. Well, it's at the end. It's, it's, it's when it's, it comes it's a in. Rip of Cashmere. When, yeah, yeah it's but, Cashmere, but, but, that's but right. With, but with Puff Daddy. <laughs> anyway, so the creator, to me, looks like, um, I mean, not what the movie is, but like visually, when I watch it, it has this like District Nine flavor to yeah, it, yeah. and it's one hundred percent. It has that look. And it's about robots and a war between humanity and, ro- and robots. It's and that a- kind of AI. An AI. It's that kind of film. Right on the tip of what's going on, right? Um, but it was shot. Okay, this is crazy. Like I thought it was. A, I thought it was a fucking propaganda piece by uh, Sony. I'm like, they're lying. There's no way. This is not possible. They were claiming that the entire film, or I think, the, uh, forgive me, like the the misquoting here. Sure. Ninety-seven percent of the film is shot on a Sony FX3. Now, big claims like this have been made before in the world of cinema where they're like, we shot this on an iPhone. But what they always leave out is that the iPhone was connected to like some external recorder with like a $40,000 lens and so on and so forth. So I'm assuming here that the FX3 was, you know, externally recording to something else, whereby making it a better... No, it's the F- it's the same camera we're shooting this, pro- this fucking podcast on. Yeah. That's yeah, what's no, crazy. No, I'm reading it here. It was the- shot internal in uh, XAVC codec. Uh, 10 bit. I mean, maybe this is too technical for some of the people watching. I don't know. It's not that type of movie show. Um, but yeah, so effectively, the camera that's sitting right in front of us right now in our studio doing this little podcast, if you will, shot a fucking feature film. And now, here's the kicker it's not just a regular feature film, it's an IMAX release. Yeah. It's an right, IMAX I'm release. It. This is the first time an IMAX movie is shot on a prosumer mirrorless camera. It's nuts. Like, this is. This is on the same level of significance as the first DSLR sh- uh, movie shot on DSLR were. Like, this is a massive shift in the way movies are made. Yeah, it's, this it, will it's be... A, look, look, to the average person, this camera is expensive. I mean, you're not going to buy it to shoot pictures of your dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you might, but whatever. We're dog people. Um, <laughs> but, fuck, it's crazy. So... Like, and it has little simple things, like, for example, and I'll check because I'm nervous. 
Is the camera recording right now, Peter? Yes. There we go. See? Has a red tally light. See how I worked that in so I wouldn't kill the flow? <laughs> Greek Fraser. That's oh? thing. So it's G R E I G. Greek. Greek. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't think it was, maybe it could Greek? be pronounced Greg. Greg. Fraser, not Fraser, like Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah. Was uh, it? Is the director of photography of That's right. uh, the creator, who's also Gareth Edwards, director of photography on Rogue One. Rogue One. How did I not mention Rogue One? Yeah, that's probably his best work. I haven't seen the creator yet. And and he's recently he he's the DOP for Dune Part One mm-hmm. and for the Batman with uh, Robert Pattinson. This guy's changing the world. I think I think he's changing the world. Like we're gonna be talking about him for a long. How old is he? he must be in his mid thirties now. No idea. But in the same way we were talking, like people look the average. Uh, moviegoer doesn't know the cinematographer. No, yeah, you know what I mean. Hell, I can't remember their names half the time. No, I mean there are ones like like Bob uh, Richardson, sure, um, Emmanuel Lubet, Luzbeski, Fidel uh, uh, Papa Michael, Fidel Papa Michael, also yeah. prolific. So he shot three. Ta- he's he three he lit and Yuma. shot three times yeah, to Yuma. Yeah. That's the movie that made me fall in love with westerns. That's Not the original spaghetti westerns. It was that. You're right. Like it wasn't even Unforgiven. It wasn't, or even like uh, I don't know. Let's say like the Desperado or. Well, yeah, Desperado is closer to a spaghetti western than an actual... But it's still a western. I just mean it's not what it... Because most people get introduced into the genre through, you know, the, the original spaghetti westerns or then you have, like, the Desperado trilogy. Yeah, but uh, pe- people our age, most people that I speak to our age that watch westerns that don't have that whole, oh, my dad grew up watching, you know, oh, yeah, okay. The Searchers or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Got into it with... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven. That was the one. Is that the one? Yeah, 1993, I think. Yeah. I don't remember the film at all. Yeah, it's it's a great. It's it's so seriously. Then to Yuma, and I watched yeah. it on a train. Not to Yuma, but it was a train. <laughs> it just, wow, what a great movie. <laughs> I could have been going to Yuma. You don't know. Also a remake, but yeah, I really. Yeah, no, really I, I've watched. I've since watched the original. Yul Brenner, yeah. Uh, great film. Not three ten to Yuma with like uh, Bale and. No, I actually really like. Uh, that's that. See, that to me is one of the most underrated directors working. That James Mangold, who did yeah. the remake of three ten to Yuma, also mm-hmm. did. Uh, his first like real release, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, is Copland. Copland is essentially an urban western, um, and and yes. when, it, 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 it's a nor'eastern, a nor'eastern, yeah. Eastern. It is such a gem of a film. So so. Good. What do you? What did that? What was that? Like two thousand and two? No, that would have been earlier. We're talking about late nineties. Just late 90s? listen to this cast. Copland. This is. Sylvester Stallone in like Ugh. a dramatic role that requires almost no physical. Actually, he gained weight to look. Yeah, like, that's right. And he enunciates in this film. Yeah, ish. Ish. Uh, he tries. He, he definitely. Ray Liotta, Harvey Keitel, Robert De Niro. Uh, right. Um, Michael Rappaport, Robert Patrick. Michael Mr. Rappaport Mr. is so underappreciated. Fucking T-1000. Uh, yeah, T-1000. <laughs> yeah, T-1000. Wow, I was about to call him T-9000. Um, who else? And uh, a bunch of other like, like I've classic, seen, I, uh, yeah, yeah. like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A dirty, corrupt actor, character actors yeah, from yeah. the '90s. Yeah, small role by Peter Berg, who was an actor uh, through the '90s, and then made his first Peter film. Berg. Yeah, in the late '90s. Check this guy out. So his first film in the late '90s was uh, a black comedy called Very Bad Things. And I that title. like really, the movie was shit on, but I love that movie. Great cast, B E R G. Oh, Peter Berg, yeah. And then, and then this guy went on to direct like some of the biggest movies. 
Uh, Peter Berg is single-handedly responsible for my favorite bad movie of the last maybe 15 years. Name it, but we've gone off topic from cinematographers. Sure. Um, I watch this movie at least once a year or once every two years. It will be a completely unpopular opinion, but I will say it here. I fucking love Battleship for all the the, the really? best reasons. Yeah. Battleship. I mean, I've seen Battleship twice. I don't. I just said it's my favorite any of that movie. I don't remember it at all. It's the type of movie where okay, so you know you get the no. Let's go back on top. Okay, okay. So what we were trying to say was most average moviegoers, the don't know the you know every Tom Dick and I won't say Harry because I, I feel like it doesn't include the other sex. But anyways, um, they don't know cinematographers. They know directors. They know yeah, every you know what? Tom no. Dick and Harriet. Harriet. Thank yeah. you. Every most most people just I was gonna say directors, but I don't think that's even true. Most people don't even know the director's name. No, that was kind of why I wanted to start this show. Remember, is like, I, I noticed that a lot of people, because I am the de facto movie guy of like a the lot groups. of the groups that yeah. I'm in. Um, when I mention a name or it's really rare that someone, I mean, they'll know actors, they'll know stars. Sorry, I should say they know stars. Yeah. So like even someone who watched the average movie girl will know like, oh, I'm looking forward to the new, yeah, or yeah. the new Liam Neeson movie or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so when I talk about that, like, I don't know, will, will I like it? And then it'll just take me going like, oh, yeah, sure. It's the new, uh, or hey, it's the new James Mangold film. And they're like, who the fuck's a James Mangold? That means Mangold? nothing to me. I'm yeah. like, well, it's the guy who made uh, 310 to Yuma. Mm -hmm. And oh, okay. And all of a sudden that sparks some kind of interest. And the reason I wanted to do the show with you is to be able to shine a light on these references. I don't know whatever you want to call them. But you're like, really shining a light. You're, you're giving credit where credit is due. Right. Because, I mean, look, no one's going to argue that. What was that expression? I, I want to phrase this properly. Most people, like you said, most people know the star, but a movie is not just the star. Mm -hmm. But a movie is also not just the director or just the scriptwriter. Or just it's this like huge collaborative process. There are so many things. Like sometimes the the thing that really takes a great cast under the leadership of a great director with a talented cinematographer and a great script, the thing that takes them to the next level is like the art director. Right. Because on its own, it'd be great, but with that art director attached to that team, it's like... Becomes spectacular. You know? Yeah. So like I've seen period pieces, for example, nothing comes to mind right now, where I'm like, everything is so good, but the art direction is so bad. Yeah. You know what I watched was recently? That was a great example. Fucking Cliffs of Freedom. This is an indie that you probably are not even aware no, of. No. Yeah. This is right up my alley. Okay, go ahead. It is uh, produced by a bunch of like uh, Greek-American organizations. Okay. It takes place during the the Greek War of uh, Re the Greek Revolutionary War, okay. the War of Independence in the 1820s in some small village in Greece and it's this cheesy ass fucking, you know, what but, year but, was but it? you are a Turk and I am a Greek and we are in love. It's like oh, Romeo okay. and Juliet yeah, story, yeah, yeah. which the whole thing is contrived and just blah, whatever. Okay. But the art direction is phenomenal. <laughs> You're watching this because normally you figure period piece, war epic, during a really bad era, like mm -hmm. where there was a lot of bloodshed in that part of Europe. You're like, it's going to be dark. It's going to be dreary. But no, it's like colorful. And you're like, I've never seen this. It doesn't work at all for the film. Okay. It doesn't. But the attention to detail from their clothing to their, I mean, that's wardrobe too, but to like the way their houses are adorned like things that you're, I, you're talking about the entire production design. Yeah, the whole production design. Yeah, it, okay. I mean that's our direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but yeah, exactly. So but production design, like so fucking well done. And then they threw poop on it. Right. And right. They're like, like here, have script and like, bad and, and you know what? For the hell of it, 
let's have a leading lady who can't even fake speak Greek. You know, like, no, that's have you, are you not aware of this? No, no. You're not aware of this? I have film. no idea. What it was directed is. by, I will check, but that's what I'm saying. It's, it's all those little pieces together. So when people are like, I love Liam Neeson movies, his movies are always the best. I mean, which ones of his movies? Because they're not his movies. He stars in them. Yeah. But they're someone else's films. Yeah. Right? And that always bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. You know, like, I'll... Um, that's why IP, like intellectual property... 2019. Christopher Plummer is in it. Oh, that's, that's fucking messy. I don't know why that popped up. Cliffs of Freedom. Bro, oh, this, as a this Greek looks, person with, like, a deep uh, awesome. love for history of that era... I enjoyed it anyways, but it's bad. It's it's objectively bad because it doesn't understand its own tone. That's what it is. Okay. Still very enjoyable. I mean, it's not groundbreaking. It's not going to win awards. It's not Smyrna, my beloved. That's you want a Greek movie from the last couple of years. I haven't seen Smyrna yet, but I've... I would also recommend this one. Echoes of the Past is great. What is this? Yeah, this one's really good. Max von Sydow in one of his last roles, if not... Wait, how, do I, how am I not aware of this? Oh, this is a great film, dude. Yeah, Echoes of the Past. The Massacre of Calabria. Oh, yeah, World War II. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Echoes is... of the Past. This is a documentary? No. No, no. no. Yeah, I'm watching this tonight. <laughs> Can I, oh, Tubi. Oh. No, not Tubi. No, Tubi. I'll find it. Echoes of the Past. I'm going to screenshot this so I don't forget. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it. But yeah, Smear. You know what? And no one ever talks about Greek movies. They don't get their fucking place. And uh, like, I'm glad we bring it up sometimes at least. Why? Because you know? we're Greek. Who cares? Yeah, I guess. They're enjoyable. Like, they've had some really great films in the last couple of years. We talked about Dog Tooth a few episodes ago. And a lot of them, I mean, he's Greek. It's not a Greek film anymore. Okay, so actually, can I, this is the perfect segue. Tiff, 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 tiff. No, before oh. Tiff. No, uh, Tiff, no, Tiff. Venice International Venice? Festival. Yorgos Lanthimos just won the Golden Lion with Poor Things. So, well, I've had this weird deja vu moment. Go on. <laughs> poor Things. Um, with Emma Stone. With Emma Stone, exactly. Uh, Mark Ruffalo and a very weird-looking Willem Dafoe is a sort of Frankenstein-ish tale okay. where this doctor played by Willem Dafoe brings... Like, who else would play the fucked up doctor in that cast list? Yeah, 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 of course. And reanimates this woman, uh, Bella Baxter, because I think his name is Dr. Baxter. And uh, little, uh, What is it, alliteration there? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's Yorgos Lanthimos doing his best, Stanley. Okay. And so it's it, like rave reviews, rave reviews, and it won the Golden Lion, which propels it into like the this front is his first, right? This is his first time yeah. he wins the Golden Lion. He's been nominated before for most of his films. Europeans really like him. Is uh, is Killing of a Sacred Deer him? Yeah, it is. That's, that's, that's yeah. a great movie. That's a, that's a great, great fucking. Yeah. Movie. What's the the Isn't great that a, play? It's Iphigenia. Uh, Iphigenia. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not. Oh no, it's uh, oh fuck, I don't remember. It's the one where she has to, uh, I can't remember. Well, gonna it's going to bother us. Yeah. I'm it's it's based on a Greek myth. Like, I, I, not a Greek myth, but a Greek uh, play. An ancient Greek play. I just don't remember which one right now. It might be Iphigenia and Tavris. I don't know for sure. Let's see. He's pulling it up. It'll take a while. But that is a phenomenal film with possibly one of my favorite movie titles of the last 10 years. The Killing of a The Killing of year. That and uh, what's the Ebbing, Missouri one? How many three billboards? billboards? Three. Three, three billboards, billboards outside, outside Ebbing, Missouri. That's a great fucking movie title. Yeah, it is if you yeah. I was right. It is if you yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You rip it. It's this guy. Um, you you rip a D's. <laughs> so so that's that's <laughs> fart joke. It's so fucking <laughs> low, bro. Go on. Rip off. People are just tweeting out right now. Yeah, no so, one's listening. It's just us. So that, <laughs> <laughs> that that was an interesting enough story, but 
so you mentioned you watched The Lobster, where mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman has a secondary role, who then became the lead, the lead. in The Favorite. Mm-hmm. And now Emma Stone, who had a secondary role in The Favorite, is now the lead in Four Things. But their collaboration was so good, mutually beneficial, that they've reportedly shot a short film together. Oh, really? Another film together outside of Four Things. That we're not aware of at all. No one knows. That someone had mentioned, or that I guess they thought it was in production, but it's it's apparently done. Okay. And then in a random interview at Venice, uh, Lanthimos announced that, oh, I've actually also shot a secret other film with Emma Stone Where as well. Where does this find the time in the I, Well, it was during the pandemic, you know, so I guess he just, uh, he got there and I mean, she had just... Yeah. I think she had just given birth at the time. I'm not sure. But anyways, yeah. So we're looking forward to a, a huge news uh, um, collaboration between the two. Maybe possibly a divorce. <laughs> Moving on to TIFF. So TIFF ended and American Fiction took the uh, coveted People's Choice Award. The reason I bring this up is because I think it's something like seven or eight out of 10 times in the last 20 years, the winner of the People's Choice Award goes on to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Yeah, a few exceptions. Last year, the Fablemans won People's Choice, but did not win Best Picture at the Oscars. This uh, this movie looks interesting. Uh, it's about a um, an author named uh, his nickname is Thelonious Monk is his nickname, and his his latest book is not getting as much attention as this young uh, upstart writer and it creates it's supposed to be a, a satirical comedy and not okay. much is known at least and no, no trailer has been released or anything like that okay and as interesting as that story is what ended up being more like well known is this is the year we would been talking about in other episodes the writer strike the actor strike yeah. so how do you hold a film festival uh, of tips you know uh, elf without without, having... without everyone contributing so one of the things they did was they they turned to I mean this is a year where a lot of actors are making their directorial debuts or directing other films so mm-hmm. it kind of they can they can go and promote the film because sure. it's not as an actor yeah kind okay. of fits I see that gray zone uh, yeah because they're technically part of the DGC when they're doing that right so two of the stories that came out number one Chris Pine Everyone's favorite. New Chris. generation uh, Captain Kirk made his directorial debut on a comedy with some dramatic elements. Two horrid reviews. What's it called? I don't remember the name now, oh, but it is. It is like it, uh, what I've been reading is so cringe. It's so painful because, like, everyone seems to like him, but this is at, at best. I think the kindest words were, "This is a misfire." Okay, that's that's not that's those not the me. Kindest, that's not me. Are, but yeah. those are the kindest words, wow. like to the point where people, a lot of critics and others, were saying that if it wasn't for this situation of like the strike, this would never have this been, would never have yeah. been seen on TIFF. This would never have made it. Not um, bad, huh? So yeah, yeah. Apparently, it's wow, not good. That's rough. I know, and I like him. I really, I kind of. He's the type of guy, I but want he doesn't have uh, film director vibes. Sure, you know all these all these actors who turn directors. You can you knew it was coming. You could tell. Maybe it's called Pool Man. Pool Man? Yeah, Pool Man. Bad title. Like I don't know anything. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Awesome. This is IndieWire gives it a Skating zero. Shit. I'm gonna read zero. this. Hold on. Okay, it's on. only a hundred minutes long, but upward of ninety nine of those minutes are likely to be spent in silent boredom, if not irritated disbelief at being subjected to such guileless, artless nonsense. <clears throat> Fuck! Wow, that hurts. That hurts. That sucks. I, now, like, I heard for him right now. Like, yeah. I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. Guy, I don't I, Look, I don't Artless know. Artless is... That's a lot. That, that, 
That's like th- that's not oh, man. I can understand a misfire, but that's like, the artist. You don't gotta bully the guy. I think. I don't. Anyway. The, I mean, maybe he bullied them by subjecting them to it. Can I ask you? Do you think? Do you know who Anna Kendrick is? Yeah, of course. Do you think the she give director vibes? I can see it because her directorial debut is around the corner. No, it's a tip. It also, oh, what is it? Tiff? It's called Woman of the Hour, and it's actually yeah. a story that I don't know if you and I had talked about. I don't know. Do you remember? Well, I'm just gonna you adjust my stool here. Sure. You won't remember this because we, I don't think we were alive. But have you ever heard of that um, that famous story where on the dating show back, I think in the seventies, uh, the serial killer like ended up being one of the contestants and one yes, show. Yes, yeah. yes. So I don't remember the oh, guy adapted this. So yeah, so I've she, seen a trailer for this. No, I don't think so. Or, maybe or some something. Pictures. Yeah, because yeah. in in new, well, I'll get to the story. Then. So she plays. How is that a real story though? Yeah, right? I know. Nuts. She directs the film and plays the lead character. Cheryl oh, really? Something who was the the what the woman on the dating show? She's the one who like got away. Going, yes, yeah, she's going all through all the suitors. And uh, the suitors. and yeah, because there was a couple suitors. This was ah, it's the way you're saying shows. Well, that's what they were called. Don't suitors, call it like that. suitor number one, suitor number two, whatever. And so, so yeah, so he he wins a date with her, okay. the serial killer guy, and she refuses to go on. Like after the show ends, she refuses to go on a date with him. She's like, this guy's creepy. Eventually, he was arrested. He's believed to have killed. I mean, he claims north of 130 women, oh. even though yeah. And and what they do know is that he killed three women immediately after the dating show. Like uh, he went home episode. that night and he murdered three people. I don't know if it was that night, but it, but cops said that like probably fueled by the rejection, he killed three more women. Oh, so, so she's a lot of her. Hands. So yeah, the woman. The, the, sh- the movie's called Woman of the Hour, and why it's interesting is because Netflix shelled out eleven million dollars to buy the film so that they could premiere it at, on Netflix uh, okay. before the end of the year. Hold on, sure. Taking everything I've absorbed from pop culture in the last let's say five years okay i'm confident that netflix spending 11 million dollars on a serial killer leading lady like a slash a serial killer slash leading lady slash true story equals true crime but a film starring anna kendrick that is the safest investment right they've ever made yeah because that's all that Netflix makes now. And it, and it was and it was actually here's the thing it was actually a real hit. Uh, people are saying that this was really? as a director. It's not I'm like I'm glad it wasn't just lip service. Apparently, she did a really good job behind I the camera. I always have a hard time when they. Uh, I mean, there's been some great movies like Zodiac, or I can't think of anything else right now, uh, based on true stories, serial killers. Yeah, but okay. it bugs me that we make these movies sometimes, like like Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Yeah, series like, there on uh, Netflix. Like, yeah. I mean, that was accidentally a hilarious series. Accidentally, oh, the hell. funniest dude's thing I've ever seen. What do you mean? How is it funny? I mean, some of those scenes. Uh, what's the what's his name? The actor Evan Peters. Evan Peters he played Quicksilver. No, in in, in yeah yeah X Men universe. So yeah. so you have Evan Peters dressed up as like bad cosplay Jeffrey Dahmer. Okay. And the cops show up to the door, and he's got like a guy passed out, and he's like, uh, "What are you guys doing? We're just watching TV." And he's like, "He doesn't seem okay." No, it's fine. We're just doing gay stuff. And they're like, oh, oh, gay stuff are are bad, and they leave. I'm like, is that so? I haven't watched. This is a series. real scene. That's an. I mean, I'm scene. I'm overplaying it a bit, but okay. he basically is like, we're just gonna do some gay stuff, maybe with a pause, okay, or like a rep, like gay gay stuff. I forget exactly. Okay, this is gay stuff, and the cops are like, oh, gay stuff. Yeah, no problem, and they leave. All right, so and that's I was probably... like, I understand that the '70s was a wild time and gays were like shunned. Okay, but that seems like lazy writing. It just feels lazy. Yeah, to get the point like, across that like 
gays were so ostracized that just saying But to that, say gay stuff. It, yeah. I, like, I don't know if it's genius writing because it shows the time mm-hmm. or if it's just lazy. I can't tell. I watched most of the series and I was like, why am I watching this? I know how this ends. Okay. Fuck Jeffrey Dahmer. So I stopped. Sorry, Evan Peters. But then you have Zodiac, which is like probably Z- one. Of, Zodiac is near perfection, David it, Fincher. It's almost perfect. I, I, I think I know him, David Fincher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zodiac is phenomenal. It's yeah. the movie that made me stop hating Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, where you saw him as like. I saw him okay. as an actor okay. for All the right. first time. Is that before or after Sons of Time? <laughs> it was before. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad movie. Yeah, that's but you know what? Listen, for every Sands of Time <laughs> and for every what was that other no, one that stop. was a misfire? Who, who looked at like the concept art after day one of principal photography and some of the rushes of Sands of Time? And they're like, guys, we're gonna make this movie because right away you hear like this is a mistake. I think, I think it was Jerry Bruckheimer. We shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> oh, fucking Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, yeah. That's a uh, nah, man. It was not. It was yeah. It was not good. It was not good. Sense but again, time. when you talk about accidentally hilarious, Sense of Prince time. of Persia, yeah, Prince of Persia is, is up there. It's yeah, it's definitely up there. Do you know who Glenn Powell is? Yes, I believe that I do. I can't picture his face. He's sure. an actor. He's an actor. He's an actor yeah. in his sixties. Yeah. No, 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 he is an actor else. in his thirties. Uh, but you will have seen him. He's a young and up and coming. I've uh, never seen this man before in my life. Okay, fine. You didn't see. You didn't watch Top Gun Maverick. I did. Oh, it's yeah, this guy. Yeah, I didn't yeah. look at him here. Yeah, yeah. That's how he always no, looks. Fair enough. Yeah. And look at the photo that they shared of him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I recognize the photo. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a OC guy. He was on the OC. No, when he, he was, was never on. He looks like Chris he, Carmack. Oh, okay. Or, or, ben, or Ben McKenzie. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. No, but I so thought he was. Glenn Powell has <laughs> been slowly and steadily rising okay. um, in in Hollywood. He now that we mentioned Top Gun Maverick, so he you watched the film, right? So of he course, auditioned yeah. for the role that eventually went to Miles Teller. Okay. And it was down to him or Miles Teller. I have beef with Miles Teller, but go on. We'll, we'll get into that after yeah. this because I'm very curious. Why would anybody have beef with Miles Serious Teller? Serious beef. Go on. We'll get to it. So it was like the the, the role of Rooster, right, who's uh, Goose's son. And uh, ultimately, uh, Miles Teller won the role. Yeah. But Tom Cruise and uh, uh, Joseph Kaczynski were so impressed by Glenn Powell's audition that they beefed up that secondary role where he's featured. He's like the main supporting yes. character just to give him more screen time. They just went back and rewrote He was like role. a new Iceman. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. That, vibe, right? that old school Val Kilmer vibes. Yeah. So uh, that was a huge breakout for him uh, last year, and he just needs, you know, he also had a film called Devotion, which is also a pilot, uh, but this was Korean War, yeah, uh, which was really solid as well. And he needs that moment. So he had a film at TIFF, under Richard Linklitter. Okay. Uh, Richard Linklitter of uh, uh, Dazed and Confused, Suburbia, the one who made that film Boyhood, which was shot over like 20 years. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember, Richard, okay? yeah, yeah, I know. He's also doing another film that's been shot, that's going to be shot oh, over really? like 30 years or something. What a yeah. cycle. Good for him. So actually, he did a film a couple of years ago. You probably won't have seen it, but you might have heard of it. Everybody Wants Some. I'm not sure. I, I does not it's, any it's in the same vibe and time uh, period as uh, as Dazed and Confused. And okay. Glenn Powell has a role in that, and that's where they kind of hit it off. Okay. So Richard and Glenn wrote this movie called Hitman, where okay. Glenn Powell plays a guy who, like a 
pretty low key guy who his job is to work undercover for the police, uh, disguising or pretending to be a hitman, like soliciting that people were going to like hire to so kill someone, can entrap people in so they can entrap them, commit murder. And he Pollution falls, or whatever. he falls in love with someone that he's supposed to be, uh, okay. uh arresting or getting or whatever, in trouble, yeah. whatever. He breaks the first rule of undercover work, right? Yeah, okay. So the film was a, 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 a darling at TIFF. Okay. And, Interesting for Powell because he co-wrote it as well, but Netflix shelled out twenty million for that film. That's how. How bad. is Netflix? You know what? Can we just do this for a second? Sure. Hold on, I'm confused. How does Netflix make their money back? Okay, I know they have subscriptions. Yeah, but I don't see any other monetization within the platform. Right? There's no ads. Right? Well, there's there just... is now. There's there is. I think there's one. There's a ads supported version. Oh, well, I was not aware of that. So that explains. Yeah. Some of it, but like, how much money are they making on subscriptions? Like, ever since we moved away from the classic theatrical release model and we've moved to the Netflix era, at first I was like, people are paying monthly for this. It's for me, bank. Right. Then as time went on, I'm like, people are paying monthly for this. How are they making bank? Because how many subscribers do they have? Even if you did that math, what? Does it justify the. Does it justify spending, you know, in a single quarter, spending $100 million on producing content? Like Apple, for example, which, which is producing phenomenal content lately. I get it. They're Apple. They have the GDP of six countries. They don't give a shit. Like, they don't care. They can spend right, right. that money. Sure. Do you know, like... I think they, they, a, they promised they example of spend, Apple being Apple, okay? They were going to spend $4 billion in 2023, I think. Fucking let's Got do it. Them. Give everyone 10 bucks in the world, you know? Uh, Apple in, in Invasion, which is a, an Apple original series, which I've been watching. I just started the second season. I don't know if this is a spoiler. I really hope it's not. Don't. I, don't. I, I really don't feel like it's a spoiler, but the movie's called Invasion. Obviously, the show. the show, yeah, the series. The series is about an alien invasion, okay? Right. The world is in disarray because we're being invaded. You know, it, it's got like post-apocalypse vibes. But everyone's phones work. I love And they're that. all iPhones. I loved that trailer, but I heard season one is incredibly disappointing. The only reason I stayed through season one is because I really appreciate the different route they're taking with the, the antagonists, okay. the aliens. I like that. I don't understand what's happening yet. And I'm like way too disproportionately amused by, I forget her last name. Her first name is Golshifte. She's a Persian actress. Uh-huh. She plays the lead. Okay. And I think her first name is amazing. I just like saying it at the beginning of every episode. Say like, it again. Golshifte. It's just fun to say. Because I know that's how she says it, right? Because she speaks Farsi. Sure. Golshifte. And you're like, what a weird, that's a name I wasn't expecting to see right, okay. in a fuck as a lead role. So I watch it. I'm like, hey, she's great. Okay. Sure. Maybe I'm an asshole because I'm amused by her name, but she's like, she's really good in the role. And I didn't expect her role to take that arc. And I was like, oh, this is super interesting. Right. The rest of the show is okay. But I mean, take uh, it. like, I want to see how it goes because I want to find out about these invading okay. guys, right. things, whatever. Um, so we're but, talking so about uh, Apple, like, we're spending all this money. We can't have them not have iPhones. So, like, it's the end of the world. Cities have collapsed. Part of the world is like in quarantine zones or whatever, like not quarantine zones, but like you can't live there. Right. But everyone has an iPhone and they're still showing pictures. I saw an alien. And you're like, how does your iPhone work? How is the power grid up? How are there still 5G satellites? Like what's going on? And you're like, oh, because Ada brought it up yesterday when we were watching. Why do they have cell phones? I go, because Apple made this. Right. They have to show their fucking phones. It's what pays for the show, right? Yeah. And that's, f- I'm okay with it. Yeah. But so like, ne- but that Apple, Netflix, how does Netflix make their money? Like, I don't know. Now, how do they make their money? How can they justify the money they're spending? Right. Well, there's got to be... Andrew Schultz had come out and made like a claim about 
why they won't release their subscriber count. Right. Because he thinks they're lying about it. Yeah. And that if they were to tell the truth, it would tank their stocks. Which, I mean, it's, it's possible, but I think unlikely. It's possible, but not probable. Well, you're either, you're either committing the world's greatest act of fraud. It's, a, it's the, <laughs> the ultimate grift or it isn't. Yeah. One yeah. day you'll watch a movie on Netflix about it. Of course. Yeah. That'd be cool. But that's what I've never understood. Like, how can they spend... Here's here's what that, I, like, I'm gonna like apologize. My brain to you. is always you know short films, right? Right. That's that's my background. That's what I'm used to funding and budgeting for in productions. Now that I'm looking at what it's gonna take to fund a feature, I'm like, what am I even doing here? Right. Okay. Like, what am I doing with my life? And I'm not talking about a multi-million dollar feature. We're talking about like a sad little indie, right? It's mind blowing. Right. Making an entire episode could be dedicated to the idea of streaming how they fund and, and streaming stream, and the streaming war not only streaming wars it's also studios and how they fund yeah yeah because netflix is a studio it, it's it's crazy because before you had the studio system and then you had the theater system right yeah okay maybe high up the chain there's the same guy maybe in some instances but now netflix is the studio and the theater apple is the theater and the studio right so it's super interesting like they're creating content for their own ecosystem and I think it's probably not to the detriment of the content most of the time. I think it allows them to do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? There's people who are like, everything on Netflix is trash. No. You know, you know what bothers me about that is that, hey, man, the thing that you just called Netflix trash, like, you know, someone really like tried hard to like, and it was their dream to like make a movie and, and no one, no studio was going to give them money yeah. to make this. You know what I mean? It always bums me out. It's like, hey, you know what? You didn't like it. Cool. You didn't like it. Like to come out around and say like, like uh, I'm canceling my Netflix because all they have is bad movies and shit like that. I mean, first of all, they don't only have bad movies. I would argue that anyone that says that has terrible taste in movies. Yeah, and they only want one specific kind of movie. They watched all six of them, and now they're done with Netflix. Right. And that's fine. Fuck that guy or girl or whatever. But I mean, there are, there are tons of there's like there's so much stuff on. Just forget everything else. Yeah. Forget Crave. Forget. Just talking about straight up Netflix. Netflix. You can watch Netflix your whole life. You can and spend not, the next 10 years and not finish it. Don't do that, though, because no, there is no. a lot of bad stuff. There but is. there's a lot of bad stuff. Look, on there's crime. always there's a lot, lot of bad, bad movies. Stuff, yeah. Even before all this, like, I've gone to the theater as a kid, excited, have paid money, got my popcorn, and sat down and be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And been like, this is, this is bad. This is arguably. But what are you going to say? I'm like, never going to the movies again because it was a really bad movie. I was so movie. excited, yeah. you know? I'm never going to the movies. Everything they show is bad. You saw one movie. Okay. Batman Forever. Not the worst movie ever made, but I was like, this is not what I was here for. Do you remember the story? I thought you laughed a lot. Which one? Like, so, uh, for those that don't know, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones, when they were making Bad Fit, Man yes. Forever, did this not is get a along. Story. I will be quiet. No, I'm taking my microphone away. <laughs> and and so, um, Jim Carrey once ran into Tommy Lee Jones at a restaurant and went to like shake his hand or give him a hug or whatever. And he says it in it. You could find the interview. And he was like, Tommy Lee Jones was visibly shaking with anger. And... And when Jim Carrey asked, like, what's your problem? The the quote that uh, that is popular is, that, I don't know if Tommy Lee Jones actually said that, but it's a very Tommy Lee Jones thing to say. He looked at Jim Carrey and said, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. And I think that's just the greatest. You know what it is? The it, greatest insult I, He ever. told me this story a few weeks ago, and I laughed so fucking hard. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, yes, it does sound so Tommy Lee, but also... This is coming from Jim Carrey. Yeah, it sounds like Jim Carrey. And it sounds <laughs> like someone like, smart enough. Yeah, like you know, like Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. 
writing for Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. And I was like, either way, it's a good story. It doesn't I matter. still want to find a way to put that. Li- I, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. It's a great line. That's a fantastic line. Tommy Lee Jones. What's he up to? Is he dead? He's not. No, dead. he's not dead. He's Tommy, he's Tommy Lee Jones actually just had uh, a bit of a hit at uh, at uh, TIFF as well. It's in a movie like with, uh, years. with Jamie Foxx on a big really? story. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so, hold on though. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. We we went over this so quickly. Which part? And I need to know. Yeah. All right. You said I said something what, insane. You said Miles Teller beef with Miles Teller. Remind me the name of the movie that introduced us all to Miles Teller, where he becomes an accidental supervillain. Shit. Spoiler alert. Maybe don't give the title. Where he becomes an accident. Is that it? With the meteorite shit. No, you're. Am I mixing up timelines? Yeah. <laughs> What timeline are you in? Okay, Miles Teller has a cameo in a party film called Project X. Not Project X. You're thinking about Chronicle. Yes. And Miles Teller is not, not in Chronicle. Yes, he is. Who am you're I mixing th- him up with? You're thinking of Dane DeHaan. Am I? Yeah. Did I mix up two? Then I have no beef with uh, Miles Teller. So D-A-N-E? I know how to spell DeHaan. Okay. He was my sound guy. Not that DeHaan, another DeHaan. Yeah. Ooh, Danny Masterson just popped up for a second. Awkward. Uh, no, I can't find it. It's not like that. It's two A's, huh? Yeah, two A's. Two A's, yeah. Dane DeHaan. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's not Miles Teller. Miles Teller was not in Chronicle? Miles Teller was not in Chronicle. Well, then I rescind my <laughs> my <laughs> beef. <laughs> Our quarrel is squashed, Miles Teller. You know what happened? I know what happened. I just figured it out. Yeah, go ahead. You're not going to like it. You're going to be mad. I probably so will. So I loved Chronicle. Right. I thought I, that was phenomenal. Who Michael, that? Michael B. Jordan was in Michael that. B. Jordan was, was awesome. That. Oh, that's yeah. the film that introduced... Okay, so... Okay, I know what happened. Okay. Follow my timeline. My right, film let's, timeline. Let's go. Chronicle. Yeah. Introduces me to Michael B. Jordan. Right. Miles Teller at some time in the past also becomes introduced to me. I'm not sure where. Probably Project X. I think that's probably... The, the only link... Wait. That, okay. You know the link already, and I'm yeah, getting yeah, there. Okay, you're going right. to be mad. Yeah, yeah. Then Michael B. Jordan goes on to be a f- successful film actor. Okay. And potentially our new Denzel. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah. Not because he's black. I'm just saying because he's talented. Arguments can be made, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying. He's, he's, I like Michael B. Jordan. I, lo- I love I love Michael B. Jordan, yeah. Uh, Pineapple Station. Is that what it's called? That's not what it's called. Mixed that up with Pineapple Express. Fruitvale Station. Is that what it's called? I need a new co-host. What is that fucking movie called? Fruitvale Station. Fruitvale yeah, Station. Yeah. <laughs> what did I call it? Pineapple <laughs> Express. You call it Pineapple Station. So if anyone would like to apply okay, to be wait, my wait, new wait, co-host. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. The Michael B. Jordan and Miles Teller make Fantastic Four, right. which for some reason rips off the color tones, the grade, and the shooting style, less the POV stuff, of Chronicle. It's very obvious if you watch them back to back. Do you know why? Same director. It's the same director. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's not a ripoff. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. Josh, I noticed that though. Josh Trank. Yeah. So now I've mixed up Fantastic uh, Fantastic Four with Chronicle. With Chronicle. And I thought that Dane DeHaan was actually Miles Teller. Teller. Right. And I was pissed off because I don't see him enough. But I've been thinking of Miles Teller, knowing full well who he is, enjoying his mustache. <laughs> and then looking for Dane DeHaan in other films going, where's Miles Teller? Dane DeHaan eventually ended up playing... He's on uh, a Netflix series, isn't he? he no, it was an, a Prime series. A but Prime series. Yeah, he ended up playing uh, Osborne in the um, amazing Spider-Man movies, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I'm going to die. I can't stop thinking about Pineapple Station. 
Awesome. Awful. You know how so, I mix that up, huh? Pineapple Express. It's racist. Do you want to know? Okay, go. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fuck. I laughed so hard it hurt. Pineapple Express is a great movie. Pineapple Express and, is And a also, great movie. Pineapple Express, the strain, not the film, probably the reason why I can't remember a lot of things. Because <laughs> in those years, you know, I was sampling the wares. Oh, my God. <sighs> oh, my God. Fuck. That was amazing. What happened to Lawrence Fishburne? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, guys. I mean, I hope everyone's having a good time as we are. <coughs> are you dead? <laughs> You're dead. All right, guys, I'm calling it. It's been another successful episode. Are you, you all right? I was 24 frames per second with Balabanos and James. I don't know how long this episode was. It's okay, because anything we didn't cover, we'll get in the next one. He's Balabanos. I'm James. And Lawrence Fishburne was in the John Wick movies. Catch you guys Fuck, next time. Yeah, he was in that, uh, where he does the thing with the long coat.